Well, good morning and welcome everyone. Uh, if you are one of the many visitors uh, here today, uh, let me just start by saying that it's our practice to come together and to read from the Holy Scriptures and then to have their meaning uh, explained so that we can understand them and that we might be urged to uh, trust what God has graciously revealed to us. Uh, we believe uh, as a church uh, that the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Scriptures are God's word and that while men uh, wrote out of their own personalities and circumstances, uh, that the Holy Spirit divinely guided them to ensure that every word was of God and is true and trustworthy. So that's where we uh, are coming from as a church today. Uh, This morning, uh, I've chosen a text that records the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus, he taught people in a variety of ways uh, during his earthly ministry. And one of those was to speak in parables. Now, a parable is a short story, an illustration that causes people to think hard. Sometimes, uh, Jesus would allow people to come to the conclusion uh, for themselves, uh, while at other times he was more direct, uh, using the parable as an illustration so that he might bring his point home clearly and forcefully. Well, in the account today, uh, the people were not left uh, in any doubt as to the point that he was making, and neither we, neither will we be as we read it almost 2,000 years later. So if you have a Bible, uh, please turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Uh, If you don't, as you can see, it's on the screen behind me and you can follow along. So let me read from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If we could flick to the next screen and just keep it on that one. Jesus was addressing here the issue of how a sinner is made right before God. What hope is there for humanity when we've all sinned, when we've all disobeyed the commands of the holy and just God who made us? What can save us 
from the punishment that God will bring upon us for our sin, for our disobedience. What can make us stand as righteous before him? Can we, as sinful human beings, do anything about that by our own works? Well, in telling this parable, Jesus sets out to dismiss any notion that our uh, salvation from God's punishment can be earned. We can do absolutely nothing. It is only possible through the mercy of God. But in telling this parable, Jesus also sets out to instill great assurance and confidence that whoever humbles themselves by calling out for mercy will receive mercy. And so there is great challenge for us, but there is also great comfort. We are challenged to let go of trusting in ourselves and we are comforted to know that God will be merciful to those who call on his mercy. So as Jesus begins, he starts by addressing a mistaken confidence in the people before him. We see this in verse 9, where we read, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So some in the crowd before Jesus had a mistaken confidence. They had a false assurance in their own ability to make themselves righteous or right before God. They thought that their behaviour and their actions were good enough to make them acceptable to God. That God would see their good works and rejoice at how wonderful they were and happily welcome them into his kingdom. But this was a mistaken confidence. It was a confidence that was entirely baseless, groundless, and it was completely unwarranted. There was no reason for them to think that by the strength of their own efforts, sinful people could be considered as righteous before the holy creator of the universe. Well, how did they get so far off track? How did these people come to be relying on their own abilities if Jesus is plainly saying they have no reason for doing so? Well, the answer is seen in how they were treating others. Verse 9 informs us that these people were trusting in themselves and were treating others with contempt. To treat someone with contempt means to count them as nothing. And so these self-righteous people were despising others, thinking of them as lacking any standing or any value. It is this reaction to others that helps us understand why they had a mistake in confidence in themselves. 
They were simply comparing themselves to others. They had a completely human standard for righteousness and had decided that if they could just do more than the person next to them, then they would be more acceptable to God. It's like the story of the two men who were walking one day in the woods when they unexpectedly stumbled across a great big grizzly bear. And they both started to run when one of the men abruptly stopped to change his hiking boots for his running shoes. And his friend asked him what on earth he was doing. And he replied, I don't have to outrun the bear, I just have to outrun you. When we trust in our righteousness, our own good standing, we can only make that in comparison to the person next to us. And it means that we boast in ourselves. And to do that, we must treat others with contempt. The problem, however, is that righteousness is not measured on a horizontal level, but it's vertical in the sense that it's not how we fare in comparison to others, but how we fare in comparison to God's standards. By gauging our own righteousness in comparison to others, we automatically fail God's standards because not only does God call us to love him perfectly, he calls us to love our neighbours as ourselves. And so treating others with contempt seems quite the opposite of loving them perfectly. We need to have a better appreciation for who God is and who we are. God is the sovereign, holy creator of all things. He is perfect in love. He is perfect in righteousness and justice. He made humanity, starting with Adam and Eve. He made them in his image and his likeness to rule over the wider creation and also to experience a unique relationship with himself. But Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin entered the world, corrupting God's good creation. All humanity is still born in God's image and likeness and that is why we are to treat the person next to us with dignity and respect. But God's image and likeness has been marred and tainted by sin. We are all born in sin. And then when we grow up, we act in sin. We must recognize that in ourselves, we do not have the ability to earn a righteous standing before God. Because the sinful nature desires only sin. And as God is just, he must deal justly with sin. And Jesus is dismissing any idea that people can trust in their own righteousness. In ourselves, we are not acceptable to God. In ourselves, we stand under the righteous wrath of God. 
If there is to be any acceptance by God, it must come from God. It must stem from his mercy and his compassion. And that is what Jesus is directing his listeners to understand in the telling of this parable. So let's now look at the parable itself, where Jesus helpfully sets up a marked contrast. He begins in verse 10 saying, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, prayer in the temple was a typical scene for the day. But the mention of a Pharisee and a tax collector is a marked contrast. Here were two men at the opposite end of the social spectrum. The Pharisees were one of the major Jewish religious sects of the first century. They were well respected by the people and they sought to uh, characterise themselves by strict adherence to the law of Moses. At the other end of the scale, way down the other end of the scale, were the tax collectors. Now these were Jews uh, who had taken commissions from Rome to retrieve taxes from the rest of the Jews. But not only did they take money from their own people, they also took more than was necessary and many became quite rich off the backs of their own people. Jewish tax collectors were so loathed and hated by their own people that it was deemed allowable for Jews to lie to tax collectors without any sense of guilt. So on a horizontal level, Jesus has set up a very clear distinction between these two men. In that day, in the sight of the people, one of these men was respected while the other man was ridiculed. Jesus then proceeds to speak firstly about the prayer offered by the Pharisee in verses 11 to 12. Let me read those again. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Now that's a prayer that many people offer. And not in so many words, but it certainly reflects an attitude that says, I am such a good person that God would be crazy not to accept me. Look at all the things that I've done. The Pharisee's prayer is all about himself. God is mentioned once at the beginning, but is quickly replaced by the most important person in the eyes of the prayer, and that is the man himself. And the only way the Pharisee can have this confidence before God is by comparing himself to others. He is a Pharisee, not like this tax collector cowering in the corner of the temple. His prayer also shows how he goes above and beyond everyone else. 
He fasts more than anyone else. And he gives more to God than anyone else. Jesus is painting the picture here of anyone who trusts in their own works to be made acceptable to God. But it will end in failure. Because unless a person performs all the works of God in their actions and in their attitudes, in their hearts, they fall short of God's standards. And so there is a marked contrast then when Jesus speaks secondly about the prayer offered by the tax collector in verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, it was not the action of the Pharisee standing to pray, which was wrong, but it was his attitude. When Jesus speaks about the tax collector, this man's attitude affects his actions. The tax collector was standing far off and not merely in relation to the Pharisee, but in relation to the holy place in the temple. He did not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he looked down in a show of deep humility and he beat his chest continually in terrible sorrow. He knew who he was before God. He knew that he had nothing within himself to boast upon. No work that could make God pleased at his presence. All he could say was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man knew that he was a sinner. And he knew that God in his holiness and in his justice had every right to judge him and condemn him. And so he does the only thing he can do. Plead for mercy. Plead that God would look on the misery of this sinner and act with compassion. Plead that God would take pity on this sinner, this enemy of God, whose every sin was an affront and a rebellion. Jesus' parable gives a marked contrast that we cannot miss. One man trusted in himself, while the other man did not. The Pharisee believed his works would make him righteous before God. The tax collector believed that his works simply made him guilty before God. At this point in the parable, Jesus had not made an assessment as to which of these two men was right in their actions. The people would have been listening intently as to what he would say next. We have that recorded in verse 14, where Jesus gives a modest conclusion. Jesus declared, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
And so Jesus affirms in no uncertain terms that the actions of the tax collector is what will lead to acceptability before God. It is a modest conclusion because only by humbling ourselves before God will he lift us up. The only way up is down. We cannot rely on our own works to make us right before God. We could never make up for the sin that we have done before him in the past. And we could never make ourselves uh, righteous before him. But even more than this, as sinners, we have no desire in ourselves to truly acknowledge our sins before God anyway. Our sinful nature keeps us in bondage to sin, prisoners to sin. And so salvation must come from outside of ourselves. And it could never merely come from just any other human being either. Because all humans are born with a sinful nature and face the same problem. No, our salvation can only come from God himself. Only he, as the perfectly righteous one, could make anyone righteous. And so we must call upon God's mercy. We must let go of trusting in our own abilities lay down our own beliefs about ourselves and call out for God to be merciful. The words of Jesus give us assurance that if we do so, if we humble ourselves, then God will exalt us. God will grant mercy to those who humble themselves. Because even in humbling ourselves, it is an act of God's mercy as God must renew our sinful hearts so that we may even desire to call out to him for mercy. The question though is how could God still be righteous if he acted with mercy in granting forgiveness to repentant sinners? As one who is perfect in justice, How could he simply overlook sin? Well, the answer to that is seen in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It was through Jesus that sin could justly be dealt with and that mercy could be wonderfully offered. Prior to the time of Christ on earth, forgiveness was granted in light of what Christ would do. After the time of Christ on earth, forgiveness is granted in the light of what Christ has done. Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God who was born into this world so as to be truly God and truly man. He came to fulfill all the commands of God. He came to die for the sins of his people. And afterwards, he physically rose again from the grave to prove his victory over death and to show the new life that could be experienced by all 
who place their faith in him. Towards the end of Luke chapter 18, we read Jesus' words to his disciples. He said this, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. God's mercy is seen in that Jesus came into this world to take the punishment for the sin that is justly ours. Through Jesus' death, we see the righteous wrath of God poured out against sin. By trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, our sins are counted as his and his righteousness is counted as ours this is how we are justified this is how we are made right before God God is merciful and we know this through the person and work of Jesus the risen Lord and Saviour The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector gives a clear picture of how sinners can be made right with holy God. Jesus shows that we cannot rely on anything that we do. To think that way is to have a false assurance. How could we possibly make ourselves righteous when we compare ourselves to the God who is perfectly righteous. For even the smallest sin, the smallest blemish, the smallest failure to obey God's law is infinitely appalling to the one who is infinitely holy. But the good news is that when we come to see that we have nothing to bring to God and that our only hope is to humbly call upon his mercy we have assurance that God will lift us up he will be merciful to those who cry out for his mercy this parable is an illustration used by Jesus to point people to himself it was his work that enabled God's mercy to be displayed to sinners. This is the good news that God has revealed to us through the Bible, that in Christ Jesus we can receive the mercy of God. How can a sinner be made right before God? Through recognising and repenting of their sin and placing their faith in Jesus. And so I plead with you, to lay down any trust in your own works and instead trust fully in the work of the Lord Jesus. Only here will you be exalted. Only here will you have hope. Only here will you know eternal life. Only here will you experience God's love. Only here 
will mercy be found in abundance. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we pray that you would help us to understand Jesus' teaching today. Help us to see our complete inability to earn our way into your presence. Help us also to see the complete sufficiency of Jesus' work. Help us to cry out for your mercy. Help us to know that through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone, your mercy will be found. And like the tax collector, we too may go home justified before you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.